Let the games begin. By taking some time out of our daily lives to sit down and have a little chat. Chit chat. Yeah, chit chat. Thank you. Conversation must be stimulating. There's still, you need a set of aesthetic guidelines to put it in social perspective. I think. Maybe what we need here is a fresh perspective. Fresh points of view, stimulating conversation. Stop. I thought it would put things in perspective for you. Let's begin. All right. Today's a bit of a like different episode. Peter and I originally we were just going to go on Clubhouse. We were going to just broadcast uh, the podcast live as we recorded it, and just so happened to uh, you know be on at the same time as uh, my friend Scott, who I invited on to be on a podcast, and uh, we were still sort of scheduling things, but he just happened to be on. He popped in uh, for a minute, and then Philip joined as well. Philip is his friend and co-founder, uh, who I guess I met maybe when I was a kid, but uh, you know, Philip decided to stay on and just be our guest, kind of randomly for the week. Uh, turns out has an incredible story so far. Just talking about uh, kind of originally starting in biophysics, he has a PhD, and then kind of moved into uh, technology and and you know, uh, working in uh, Wall Street and taking I guess uh, companies public. And yeah, just, I'm excited. I'm excited for the conversation because, you know, if you're friends with Scott, you know, you probably have a, there's a decent chance that you have an interesting background and, uh, you know, a lot of interesting stories. So I'm excited to dig into this. Yeah. So welcome hey, to si- officially. Si- si- Simon's middle name is Philip. I like to think it's after me. Uh... <laughs> yep, probably. And Philip, uh... I just joined the tail end of that conversation there, but did you also say you had some New York Times bestselling uh, well, no, actually, I only got up to 17 on the New York Times list, and you got them 15 for them to, uh, uh, 15 in the country, for them to declare you a, a uh, New York Times bestselling list. Uh, but I also made, you know, USA Today bestselling list and all that other thing. Yeah, I wrote, uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of a thing called the Glycemic Index? Yep. I'm the one that wrote the first popular book on it. Wow. And it was called The Good Calorie Diet. And, you know, did all of the TV shows, you know, Good Morning America, whatever. And and uh, I just did that on the side while I was doing all this other tech stuff with uh, taking companies public and with Scott and stuff. So what would you say your area of expertise lies uh, very generally? Is it figuring out problems or? Yes, I'm really good at seeing future trends before they exist. Like, for example, right now, everybody's trying to move to Portugal because Portugal's become the big, you know, hip place for tech and all that. And I've been, you know, establishing a presence in Portugal for a while. So I don't know. That's my skill is is somehow being ahead of trends, even at this advanced stage that I'm at. It's perfect uh, because uh, that's exactly the kind of guess we're looking for. Yeah, though so it was interesting. I had okay, here's a story. I'm going to have to uh, launder it a bit so I don't get sued. Uh, uh, I was recruited by one of the fangs, obviously not Amazon, uh, 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 to be one of the strategists in the office of the president of the company. Uh, and the you know, president and, you know, and you know, the three top people, they hired eight people to figure out what the future would be 
and where they should invest their money for 10 years down the line, not tomorrow. And so, you know, they had me all set up. I went through all the phone interviews and interviews and interviews and interviews and interviews. Here's your plane ticket, you know, on a, you know, on a Thursday. Here's your plane ticket. We'll see you here on, 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 on Tuesday. And someone will even show you around to help you get located on where you'll move to. Uh, on Friday, they phoned me up and they said, well, we were just informed. First of all, two things. One, I am going to quit my job as a recruiter over this. And two, we were just informed that, we, uh, that nobody over the age of 35 had anything relevant to say, and therefore we should cancel your ticket. That seems like a pretty they clear ageist lawsuit right there. Uh, well, that particular company actually lost a ageism lawsuit later. Uh, 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 so um, I'm not litigious, but I should have. I should have. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's this whole prejudice that, you know, experience doesn't count. And the reason I brought that up is that, you know, I do business in Portugal. I own a couple of software companies in Portugal and stuff. And, and, and in Portugal, the young people have the attitude uh, when they come across an older person, even an older person in tech is, oh, you know more than I do. What do you know that you should teach me right now that's important? In America, it's forget it. You're not. You don't know anything. You're not relevant. It's really funny the difference in attitude towards uh, uh, more experienced people. So, would you say there's anything else um, about Portugal that it, it's the next place to be? I'm personally, I've been there and had a lovely time there, but it didn't quite uh, strike me as like a tech capital. Oh, they are building, well, in, until they were building what they were building as the biggest tech, ca the tech uh, company in the uh, uh, center in, in, in Europe, bigger than the one in Paris. But then the one in Paris pulled a game where they uh, included the square footage of their uh, housing for people in the square footage. But they're in the process of building a 350,000 a square foot uh, a tech center there. They have a huge tech scene in Lisbon, less or so up in Porto, and it's and spread around. And what's really interesting about Portugal is they will give you grants to hire people or to do business because they want tech companies to come in there. And so they will give usually matching, you put in half, they put in half, but you can pull down millions in just grants. Uh, 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 uh. For example, they just gave me money to hire three people for three years. They're going to pay for it all. That's Thank amazing. Yeah. So with the grant, uh, do you have to uh, like have hire people from Portugal or, you know, anyone in Europe? Um, uh, no, no, no. It all depends on the grant. This particular grant was an employment grant, so it has to be people in Portugal who uh, 
were unemployed or between certain ages, you know, it's whatever. You know, it's an employment scheme that they came up with because of COVID. Another grant that we have that we should be hearing on and we're getting, you know, real positive sounding correspondence from them uh, soon uh, will let us hire anyone we want. They're just, here's your money, spend it the way you want. We could hire anyone from anywhere. We could subcontract for this particular grant. We could even subcontract out of the country. Uh, <coughs> though they infinitely prefer you to be there. But right now, what they're doing in Portugal is because everybody was going into the tech scene in Lisbon and to lesser extent Porto, uh, which is an amazing tech scene. I mean, there's co working spaces right and left. There's meetups all the time. You know, there's hundreds of startups. It's really, really, really vibrant scene. Uh, because all the money was going there, they are now moving the incentives if you move into the lesser populated areas of Portugal, which are gorgeous, which are beautiful. The people are so nice and the food's unbelievable. Oh, and some of the I had the best octopus in my life in uh, I forget but there, there's that central market in downtown Lisbon um, yeah yeah the ricotta yeah yeah oh so good oh yes exactly and the people in Portugal I don't know if you experience this or not but they're friendly they're unbelievably friendly uh, uh, and I like that about them yeah I almost got the impression that they were, this was a few years ago, but um, they were just happy to have people appreciate their, you know, uh, the city and come explore and just super nice. And yeah, it, it, was, it was a great, great city to check out. Yeah, I mean, they love sharing their culture. They'll be helpful for you. If you're in Lisbon, actually, you don't even have to speak Portuguese. You know, you can speak, you know, English and you know everyone there, as you probably noticed, <laughs> speaks English. Uh, at least most of the people there, uh, and they just are friendly and they love sharing their culture with people. And the food, of course, is part of the culture, but all aspects of their culture. And you know, I was in Lisbon for uh, my wife and I showed up there. And we were in Lisbon for, you know, three, four days, and we already had two invitations to people's homes to eat. And we went there not knowing a soul. Uh, and so it's, it's a friendly place, as well as being a huge tech center, and as well as having all of this sort of uh, uh, investment and, and matching investment that you can spend. And, so they're really trying their best to uh, bring this up. And then, for example, uh, they'll give you subsidized rental for your uh, offices. We had an office, uh, uh, which we couldn't occupy because of COVID, <laughs> but we had an office complex that you know we originally set up for 15 to 20 people. And uh, the uh, uh, local tech center was renting it to us for 150 euros a month. Whoa. 
It's amazing. I'm on. I'm on. So do you mind, would you mind if maybe we dug into a little bit more about like the grants and why they're doing it and the, the different things you've experienced there? If, if you'd like to not talk about it too, that's fine. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. There's many different categories of grants. And the bad news, I'll give you the bad news too, as well as the good news. Perfect. Uh, the, the, the bad news is that the government is very, very bureaucratic and moves slowly, even if the people don't. And part of the slowness of the government moving is that the grants are set up more for manufacturing than they are for software. In other words, the first grant that they expect to give you is, we'll give you money to set up your factory. Well, how do I set up a factory for a software company? <laughs> uh, but they'll give you matching funds up to millions to build a building, even if you're going to have software people in it. Right? Interesting. And the local town set aside a gorgeous plot of land for us. I mean, you know, that we could have a building in it big enough to have a couple hundred people on, they hope. And, you know, sold it to us for next to nothing. A few thousands of euros, 10,000 euros. Uh, 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 gave us the option on the land. So the land... There, there, there's a level of cooperation, but things move slowly after you apply. It can be like a year or so before they will make the decision. But there's three or four different programs. Uh, there's employment programs uh, from the government just to try to employ people. And then they have a authority that they call Portugal 2020, PT 2020. It's going to be shortly changed to PT 2030. And basically what that authority does is it distributes money that the European Union is giving to Portugal to try to keep Portugal from being an economic uh, backwater, which they're not. It's the first world country but most of their people were leaving to work elsewhere in Europe because they, you know, you know, they could learn programming in Portugal and then go elsewhere that they had more exciting jobs. And my understanding is Portugal's main industry was uh, banking and tourism or? Yeah, the main industry is tourism. They're actually pretty huge in natural resources too. The, uh, you know, when Hannibal... Uh, 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 who I'm sure you've heard of, you know, he invaded Rome and all, you know, Italy and all that, you know, way back <laughs> in the days. He actually was, at that point, uh, uh, Carthage had been taken over in, in Africa and the Carthaginian uh, nation and where Hannibal came from was Portugal. And so... The whole army moved from Portugal over to Rome to, to invade Rome way back when. And the reason that 
they fought over Portugal so much is Portugal has lots of natural resources, uh, gold, uh, tin, uh, uh, there's a lot of mining that goes on there too. Uh, but uh, now it's, you know, it's becoming a economic center uh, internationally. And a lot of companies are moving there, like into that tech uh, center that I talked about. And we've got to come back and tell you what, what programs they have uh, for grants. Uh, Mercedes is setting up a big, is taking a large amount of that space there. It will be, you know, employing hundreds of programmers initially. And then, you know, there's lots of rumors about where that will go to eventually, right there in the tech center. So the big companies are starting to discover, oh my gosh, we can get these grants uh, and the cost of living is so low, uh, uh, and it is. Uh, 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 we, you know, we're going to set up there. BMW is there. There's whole bunches of companies setting up there. Anyhow, so 20, Portugal 2020, PT 2020, is where you can get uh, large grants that uh, uh, you, they will either match your money or they will break it into three tranches if you want to get more and you get one from the bank, one uh, in terms of the bank loan not, that you don't have to pay for five years, part of it from the government and then part of it from uh, uh, yourself. Uh, however, in this economic crisis, the grants that we had along that line ran into problems because the banks were freaked out by the COVID thing and the, and the possibility of some sort of economic disaster. And therefore, you really didn't want to make loans to uh, startup companies like this, even though they would be guaranteed by the government. They essentially said, yeah, we'll make the loan for you, but uh, 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 you have to deposit the amount of money we have at risk for you to make the loan, for us to make the loan. I'm going, mm. uh, doesn't seem like a good proposition to me. <laughs> so I'll just take the government matching money. And so they're matching 45%. But you can get grants to do that, to build facilities, to do internationalization, to do marketing, to do patent work. And then they also have all these incubators that will give you space and legal work and all of that. And they're not trying to take a, uh, your arm and your leg like, uh, like in Silicon Valley. <laughs> I meant the uh, TV series. Gosh, I've got the name of the guy with the beard that ran the incubator that took a hunk of your company all the time. Oh, anyhow, right. Uh, anyhow, uh, and so it's, it's actually a good deal. Uh, they even had a deal for a while, and they dispersed most of the funds. But if you could, uh, and so they have all these different programs uh, where you uh, uh, get these monies coming into you over a period of years. Now, you have to, you have to state in the grant how many people you will employ. And that gets you a certain number of points towards, you know, 
getting the money. But as my uh, economist there, by the way, the, the people that advise you on these grants in Portugal are called economists, not accountants, uh, 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 tells me, you know, we could bring in somebody from another country and get them a visa for residency in Portugal, and then everybody will be happy. And they'll help us get the residency of the people in Portugal. And so you can bring them in from anywhere. You know, I could bring myself over there. I could bring my wife. I could bring Scott over there. And Got it. it all counts towards the, the employment thing. But they also had a program that they called 300M, but I noticed last week it was 100M, so I think they spent 200 million of the money. And they had an amazing deal going where if you, and I've always wanted to set up a firm to take advantage of this because I know the local scene. They had a deal where if you brought in a recognized major investor, in other words, someone with a track record as you know, a major investor. Of these Anderson Horowitz or something. Yeah, whatever. It doesn't have to be that big. Uh, 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 but, you know, they wanted to, I don't know, somebody spent $50 million over the last three, four years. I forgot what the exact criteria was. But, uh, uh, or you had major money yourself. Boom. They were to do a deal where for every dollar this firm invested in a local company, they would invest another dollar. Okay. And they would take equity. But any time in the next, I think it was four years, it could be five, I don't remember exactly, that you want to buy out the government, just pay them on a sliding scale between 4 and 7% uh, interest per year, and they'll sell your, the equity to the investment company. In other words, wow. the investment company gets their money doubled without risk, right? Because yeah. you're not you're not going to buy them out until you until you uh, you know it's a hit, and you don't have to buy out the entire portfolio. It's on a per case basis. So the ones that hit, you buy out the government, and the ones you don't, you let the government eat it. Um, sorry to be so blunt about it, but I'm that's sure that's an amazing what everybody deal. thinks. Yeah, it's an amazing deal. And, and there's a couple of, uh, there's an accountant I have in uh, Portugal who, if anyone uh, 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 contacts me, uh, hard to work with guy, but he knows the ins and outs of this. He's an economist. I just look up Seth as an accountant. Uh, uh, and so you you got to know how to work the system to get all of these uh, type of things. Uh, He's a nice guy. He knows how to go through all these grants and can help people go through all these grants. Uh, anyhow, so it is an amazing environment for actually starting up a company and magnifying your money. I mean, look, we had office space. We, uh, in the incubator in Aveda, which is a really nice seaside town where they have a... Uh, Computer science school, third or fourth biggest computer science school in uh, Portugal. Uh, 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 
they wanted me to go into the incubator and pay like 300 euros a month or something. And I would get office space and accounting and legal work. Compare that to the Valley. So hold on. Let me, let me kind of summarize this from my understanding. They'll um, help sponsor uh, people in Portugal, right? So they'll match 45% of your investment. And then there's another grant or program where they will invest dollar for dollar, whatever you invest and take an equity stake, but be able to have that paid out at a four to 7% interest rate at any point in the future. So it's basically an interest-free loan um, if it's not successful. And yes, in addition to that, there's employment schemes like uh, 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 the grant we just got, uh, 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 which we weren't expecting to get, but we just got it, uh, uh, will pay for three people, not at a huge salary level, but at like the salary level they'll pay for three people at is slightly above, you know, programmer level, but not senior programmer level type of thing. Uh, uh, but still, that's not that. And they'll pay 100%. And they're giving us the money to pay the taxes, too. And the Social Security and the health insurance. So I'm going, okay, sure, thank you, thank you, thank you. We're going to employ people. We will employ people. Uh, and that's what they want. They want people employed. Now, to do that one, we had to agree to put them in the interior of the country and have an office in the interior of the country rather than a, 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 a Porto or a, a, um, Lisbon or you know, any of the big urban areas because they want to spread the economic development out and don't want to get into you know, the rural areas resenting uh, all the money and support going into just the cities. And from but, what I remember, the internet connect, uh, connection there was really pretty good. I don't know about rurally, but at least in the city, it was nice. Okay, so in, in this rural area, which, by the way, is so beautiful, it's an old, it's got old medieval area in it, it's a tourist area, uh, world-class, literally world-class uh, restaurants around where you can get a decent meal for like 10, 12 euros that, when I say a decent meal, I mean a meal that people write about in magazines. Uh, uh, so it's a, it's a nice, it's a beautiful town. It's a beautiful town. It, oh, and the town was also offering us uh, 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 support for our lower paid uh, employees. They would provide rental assistance. But the rent in the area, you can get a two-bedroom apartment for 350 euros a month. Compare that to Silicon Valley. Uh, so the lower salaries actually are decent. Uh, and um, so they just gave us this grant, and they just wanted us to put people who were unemployed, previously unemployed, uh, 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 or disabled or disadvantaged in some way, you know, victim of, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of, uh, 
domestic violence or immigrants or whatever, uh, or physically disabled or whatever, uh, and hire them into the interior area. And they're paying for that. And it's a good investment because the deal is, is they would pay for three years and then we had to pay for, we had to agree to employ them for at least six months after the three years were up on our nickel. It's not a bad deal. Uh, and um, there are other grants going on like that, like there's a grant that we're in for right now. I'm sorry, giving all this stuff away. Uh, for contact me, folks, I'll help you with Portugal. Uh, seriously, I love helping people with Portugal. There's another grant we're in for now, which is highly qualified people, you know, and so it pays for employment uh, and, you know, we match it, but they're coming back to us and saying we may end up matching more than we agreed to start with. But for right now, it's 50-50. And it's, you know, pays decent salaries, but you got to have a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a PhD, and they're on a sliding scale according to, you know, your, your educational certificate. The problem with Portugal is they are obsessed with uh, credentials. Uh, so if you go there, you should send your college degree uh, to uh, uh, one of the universities to be recognized. It's you know, 80 euros. It's not a big deal. Uh, but a lot of the grants, not all of them, you cannot hire people using the grants unless they have a college degree. Not all of them, but some of them. Uh, uh, do do most people in Portugal, yeah. if you were to hire like somebody from Portugal natively, do they uh, like is that is does most of the population have a college degree in Portugal or does that limit? Yeah, I mean people? college degrees are are fairly are fairly uh, common there. The problem is is that I really love self taught programmers because they've got initiative. And they've got drive, and and they're inherently problem solvers because they figured out how to do it themselves. That's just my prejudice. Uh, and so I like those sorts of people. Uh, and uh, so we're going to have to use one of the Portugal 2020 grants to hire those types of people, not one of the employment grants. Uh, but. Uh, in the big cities, you have no problem with uh, uh, people speaking English. Uh, in the countryside, the more countryside you get, uh, 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 the more the average person on the street will not speak English. But it's not a huge problem. In the south of Portugal, an area called the Algarve, which is essentially, you know, their area around uh, you know, the uh, Straits of Gibraltar right there, which is you know beautiful Mediterranean-type climate and so forth. It's become a uh, mecca for the British. And 60,000 Brits have moved to that area. So in that area, uh, everything's in English. <laughs> but it's not a big tech center. 
But if you just want to live in Portugal, that is a huge thing. Uh, so, uh, and in most programmers, you know, I'm a computer software, obviously. Most programmers have some degree of English because you need that for, you know, the uh, tech manuals and, you know, let's face it, you know, the programming languages themselves are sort of bastardized English. Uh, so, um, you'll get some degree of fluency in, in, uh, in, 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 in English there. Uh, and um, the paperwork for getting these grants, not all of it, but a lot of the paperwork for getting these grants is available online in both English and Portuguese. Surprise, surprise. And then there is one translation engine called DeepL, D-E-E-P-L.com, that was supported by the European Union that actually translates from and into uh, 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 European Portuguese, which is slightly different than uh, Brazilian Portuguese. And I just throw any paperwork that is not in uh, 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 English on the site into that translator. And I've been able to function that way. Uh, uh, but I'm trying to learn to speak Portuguese. <laughs> My wife is fluent in Portuguese. I should be able to speak it. But, <laughs> but I don't see that as a big problem. Uh, uh, they're happy to give out visas. You have a path to citizenship. After five years, your, your employment-based visa or your retirement visa or whatever. By the way, until recently, retirement pensions were totally tax-free there. Now it's subject to a big 10% tax. Uh, the, um, and they have treaties so you don't get double taxed with America and all that. Um, the visas are actually fairly straightforward to get if you're setting up a company and all that. They even have entrepreneur visas that issue fairly quickly. Because, you know, you want to come here and give us money and start a company? Fine. You know, what can we do? <laughs> How can we help you? And you can bring in your wife, your family, and all that sort of thing. And after five years, it becomes a... Uh, permanent visa, and after one year on the permanent visa, you can actually become a Portuguese citizen. To become a Portuguese citizen, you have to pass a really rudimentary language exam, uh, which is A2 for anybody who is familiar with all of the different things. But yeah, in the language uh, uh, teaching world, there's a1, which is a rank beginner, A2, you can begin to get around. In other words, you can say, I hurt, where's the latest, where's the, where, where's the hospital? I need to go to the hospital. You know, where, where is the gas station? My car is broken, you know, things like that. Uh, 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 and then there's uh, B1, B2, C2, and, you know, C2 is where you start getting into fluent. All you need to get a Portuguese citizenship is 
A2, get along a little bit. So they are making it easy. And you, know, and you can be a dual citizen if you want, or whatever. So, and, the advantage, and the advantage of a Portuguese visa and, and, and citizenship is, of course, they're a member of the European Union. So now it's your ent entry into that whole world. And their health system is actually fairly good. Little slow right now with all the COVID stuff going on, but fairly good, really, really, really cheap, and you qualify for it uh, as soon as you get your social security number, and you get your social security number as soon as you get your visa. And it's like, you know, less than 100 a month. It's, I forgot what. It's, I don't want to quote a number now, but it's something really absurdly low. So, you know, they take care of you there. A lot of people uh, get supplementary uh, private insurance if, for wanting to see a doctor faster. Uh, but if you have an emergency, just go into the emergency room, they won't turn you away. Hey, they don't really even turn you away if you're not a member of the system. They're very compassionate people. Uh, and so they're making it easy to move there and easy to live there inexpensively. Uh, now, the prices in Lisbon are significantly higher. In Lisbon, you know, a good two-bedroom place will be, well, the price is dropping, but $1,700, $2,000, you are lucky. Uh, However, in the area where I am, you can get an acceptable one for 350 a month, and you can get a really nice one for like 600 a month, you know, furnished with, you know, nice furniture and everything. So the cost of living is low. And, you know, <laughs> and the tech talent actually is fairly, uh, fairly good, fairly good. And all of the, not all of the kids, but most of the kids, graduated from college, kids, I shouldn't use that term, sounds like I'm an old fart, which I am, uh, uh, speak good English. Not necessarily totally fluent English, but good English. But on the employment sites, they have them put down how good the English, uh, their English is, even on the government employment sites. So you can employ not only programmers, you know, uh, digital marketers, support people, all of that sort of thing. And they're actually grateful to get the jobs. Uh, so, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, they, they like the excitement. Sounds like a great opportunity, Philip. Um, I, I already told a, a friend about it uh, who I think would be you know, perfect. He, he has a startup that he's working on, but he's always expressed wanting to move to Portugal or. Spain or something along those lines. Have him contact me. You know Scott. Scott knows yeah. me, obviously. I give my email address out right here, but I don't know if I, I should give my email address out and get flooded with people. Uh, no worries. No, we can we can um, we can get that. Uh, I guess after I'll, I'll what we can connect after yeah, the podcast. But anybody, you know, I'm happy to talk to anybody and help anybody. And there's various law firms and legal firms and all of that inside of uh, 
Portugal, and there's various tricks and who you hire and who you don't hire, and I don't want to get into all that in public podcasts, but, you know, you know, the more people who are there, the happier I am because it's the more people I have to talk to. Sure. Well, that's that's a good, I think, opportunity to kind of pivot into what you guys are working on. Uh, so could you tell me a little bit about uh, the startup you and Scott are uh, kind of working on or the project or I guess whatever you want to call it? Yeah, okay. So the project is called PopDoc.io. And the way Scott will describe it and the way I will describe it are different. But you got me. So sorry, Scott, you should have stayed on. Uh, <laughs> sure. Even though we're co-founders. Uh, what, what was the name again? PopDoc.io? PopDoc.io. Uh, however, we're, we deliberately have a deliberately vague uh, a landing page at PopDoc.io uh, so that you, know, you can express an interest, but we're in early, early alpha right now after an insane amount of work to create a, a program. So I could describe quickly what the program does and then tell you what problems it solves. The program basically gives you a live view of almost any resource in the digital cloud. You can then put those live views, live views of that digital resource into a, a tile, a card, whatever term you want to use, and put those in collections and then drag and drop them to rearrange collections. And you just work with all that stuff. If the data out there in the web or the cloud or whatever changes or in your internal a uh, uh, computer system changes, it changes there. For, so you could have just one cell on one of your spreadsheets displayed on a card, you know? And, you know, today's revenue is blah, blah, blah. And then you just move that around and it's there always live. And we try to be ag as agnostic as possible about the uh, different types of uh, data and the locations of data. But basically, if there's an API, we, ha we will or are you know, connecting to it and since it's in, into a live view. And we really don't care that much about file formats, though, of course, we're chugging through getting all the file formats done. Then after you, you so you assemble your stuff, but this isn't a note-taking app. This is a productivity app. And what is productivity in the modern world? Productivity in the modern world is rearranging and rearranging information. There are some studies to indicate that, you know, over 95% of, of, of uh, 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 information knowledge work has something to do with previously existing information. So we needed a better way to handle the previously existing information. But importing just didn't work because that's laborious and that just doesn't take you anywhere. After you take all this information in, you assemble it into collections. The collections can be shared with people, with comments, with notes, with you know, all the different levels of commenting and whatever you think. 
you can then take your collections and with one click, one click, publish them as an independent micro website. Accessible in any browser. It does not live inside our environment. It is an independent website. No registration is required to see it, unless, of course, you want to make your, your it's it, 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 uh, uh, password only. But no registration is required. Anyone can view it. Anyone can use it. And it shows, and it can be multi-paged, many different collections together. It generates the website uh, uh, automatically, as I say, with one click in seconds. It's up on the web with its unique URL, and it re maintains the live view of the same information. So it's a live remote view, and you just publish it, and there it is. And people are going crazy over that. You know, companies uh, that we're trying it out with are using it to, you know, send information out to clients. Because now all you have to do is, oh, this client needs this. So I drag this tile with this PDF in, and I drag this one in, and this one in, and this one in, and this one in. Okay, boom, we're done. We send it out. Here's the URL for the website. And what used to take them an hour or two of sending emails and laborious is just done in seconds, or, or in this case, minutes. Sounds People pretty. People are going crazy over this. People are loving it. Sounds pretty cool. Um, are there any issues with like scalability? I mean, uh, some of the data sets I work with are quite large, and they're they're more like streaming data sets. You know, um, it's not. Like you, you do need a historical view, but not for any. It, no person would need a historical view, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, we don't just we don't want to store your information. We just want to store the location of your information and the location within, say, a document of your information. And so we don't make local copies of all your information unless. You're creating it inside the system, so oh, so that's not a huge, huge, huge issue. Uh, 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 our intention is, as people create all these collections of information, they're essentially curating it as they go along doing their work. If you want you can follow individual people and see the collections that they have created and made available publicly. So if you've got someone who's working on you know, a productivity app that you love and you can see their collections, you can actually import all of their tiles, all their references, with permission, of course, uh, uh, into your own work. And so we're trying to create this incredible library of curated information and build it up by making it available to individuals and, uh, for their productivity work and making it valuable for their productivity work. And, oh, yes, we are creating this curated map of different information and how they all intersect with each other. How does this person have a collection of information 
that intersects with another collection of information and what's the link. And so you'll be able to follow knowledge sets through the entire web, the entire digital cloud in new curated ways. And this will create amazing pathways throughout the uh, uh, digital world that didn't exist publicly before. And I don't know so, if I should have about that. <laughs> no, that sounds, that sounds incredible. I, uh, I, I, something you mentioned earlier about noticing larger trends and kind of where things are headed in the future. What was the trend that you and Scott saw that inspired this? We saw that the World Wide Web was deliberately, deliberately designed to be crippled. When uh, Brenner's Lee designed the World Wide Web, there wasn't a lot of computer power. And so he deliberately ignored what Ted Nelson, who actually Scott studied with for a while, but this isn't an attempt to do Ted Nelson's work. But Ted Nelson was trying to set up a, a, a digital cloud that everything was bi-directional. And Brenner's Lee said, no, no, you go on a link, it's a one way, it will take you there. We don't have the power to maintain live links to remote information. Now, there's all sorts of kludges that people have come up to try to get around that, you know, web sockets and whatever. I mean, you guys by, are programmers. By a live, yeah. I mean, we're both software engineers, but by uh, live links, do you mean kind of something like Clubhouse here where, you know, technically we're all connected to a server just transferring audio? Um, well, what real time. I meant originally was bi-directional, but this is the next level up. And so what's happening is that all of this is being carried on a infrastructure, the World Wide Web, that was designed to do a lot of one way. Uh, 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 my wife is coming up here and trying to distract me. Right now. <laughs> uh, a lot of one way, not bi-directional communication. And that introduces a lot of problems. In addition to that, we've got a worldwide web that's broken into silos now. Things are divided by apps. Things are divided by file formats. Things are divided by storage locations within storage. Everything is just getting more and more fragmented. The ultimate fragmentation, uh, fragmenting of, uh, of the way we communicate over the World Wide Web right now of course, is messaging, which is taking over everything from social to productivity apps to whatever. And that's trying to break everything into the smallest, 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 smallest possible container. But all of these things, especially messaging, are ephemeral. They're not persistent. And they're not curated. The messaging stream is there. And yeah, like in my Slack, if I want to, I can go back and look at the whole Slack thread for the last four years, but it's not going to happen. You know it and I know it. <laughs> it essentially streams out of existence. And so we've got all these different ways that we're siloing and fragmenting information. And this is really, 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 really good 
for communication. And it sits, you know, the part of our brain that, you know, wants to always be on top of what's going on, you know, as, you know, called system one thinking and thinking slow, thinking fast. But it's not really good for bringing things together and producing complex documents and actually doing effective work. It's, so we've moved from the old style productivity apps. Uh, and I'm gonna come back to this again in a minute here, the old style, new style, and, and then what we're doing. The old style productivity apps essentially were very complex. They were you know, essentially digital versions of sheets of paper. Let's go right down to it. Word processing, spreadsheets, whatever. And they all essentially required you to do thinking in advance and come up with a plan in advance when you did that work. Uh, 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 you know, you plan out what you're going to write or you program in the different cells in the spreadsheet. And so all of that is, uh, voice distracting me, all of that requires advanced planning. And, you know, like when I was a kid, they taught you to plan everything in advance. Uh, now, what that totally changed when we started moving into messaging-based uh, 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 communication. Uh, Deborah, can you give me a minute here? I need to be able to talk without all that going on. Please. And in messaging-based communication, it's all instantaneous types of responses. There's not a lot of pre-planning. Now, a few years ago, Adam, oh shit, what's the guy's name? Not Adam Gilbert. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up while we're talking. Uh, 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 did a, a, he's an organizational psychologist. Did a study. And he was ostensibly doing the study on procrastination. And he wanted to know if people planned ahead, were they going to produce better and more creative output than if they just reacted right at the moment? And so they asked people, do you plan ahead? How do you do this? You know, how do you handle when, you, when you've got a task to do, how do you handle that? Do you mind if we take a guess, Sergey and I, before you tell us the result? Yeah, sure, guess. What are your thoughts, Sergey? I think they probably, yeah, I think they'd probably be more productive. There's less, there's less, you've made the decision up front of like how you're gonna spend your time. I know when I, when I have like a schedule for the next day that I wanna, certain things I wanna hit, way more productive. Okay. Next guess. I would also agree, um, but it might just be that I'm kind of structured like that. But yeah. Well, you're a programmer. You got to realize programming has changed your mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So what they found was amazing. That the least, and and then they asked their bosses. 
to rank how productive they were. So it wasn't self-reported, right? And then, then they compared them according to how the people worked. And they ended up discovering there were three groups. One group planned ahead extensively. Like if there was something that was due in three months, it, uh, you know, they, they'd start planning immediately and writing out a plan and then execute it. That was actually the least productive group. More productive was the group that um, that uh, just reacted right in the moment. And there was a lot of speculation that um, that was because um, the people who reacted in the moment were were were, were creating uh, associations, uh, uh, and the brain is very good at creating associations. And the way the fast recognition system works is it looks at something and it doesn't think about it in any deep, great detail. It goes, oh, that's a danger. That's not a danger, you know, without thinking about, you know. Oh, that's that's that animal has this 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 and this characteristic. You know, your first thing is danger or no danger. That's the fast thinking system. Turns out that was more productive because it created associations that your your brain's good at creating fast and dirty associations in your mind. That's quite interesting. But, well, because I okay. Go on. Oh, no, no. I've experienced something similar, like uh, Suri and I have participated in hackathons, you know, over a weekend and what we're able to accomplish in a weekend, you know, uh, in my job would probably take, you know, a month or two. Um, but on the same side, uh, so I work at Target, um, you you couldn't create a Target in a month or two, in, or, uh in a month or two or even in a weekend, right? Uh, larger systems or companies or processes, um, you know, they, they take a bunch of collaboration over a long period of time. So it's, you know, I, I guess I could be spontaneously very productive, but, you know, it's kind of like that. There's an African saying, um, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go, go together. Um, so maybe something along that line. Well, it, it has to do with, it actually turns out it has to do with how the brain creates associations in the mind. And our system is set up to create associations. But let me, before I get back to bragging on our system, let me tell you, by the way, the guy's name was Adam Grant, did this study. And he, he actually wrote about it in a book called Originals, how uh, nonconformists, I'm trying to remember now how nonconformist moves the world. Uh, and there's an amazing TED talk that he gave. Adam Grant, look up. He's given like ten or eleven TED talks, but look up uh, this TED talk if you want to see more from this. Um, there was a third group, and the third group was several times more efficient than the others in terms of the amount of work they got done and the creativity of the work, if I remember the study right. 
you know, I didn't prep for this talk, obviously. Uh, and these were the people who didn't do any planning ahead of time, but ahead of time just sort of was aware of all the different things they were going to be working on and sort of looked at them occasionally, but didn't plan how to use them, but just looked at them and created awareness over the different elements that were going to be rearranged eventually into the work that they were doing, and then did the work at the end. That turned out to be vastly more efficient than anything, either of the two other ways of doing things. Now, today's world of productivity software is split between things that require a lot of pre-planning. So, like Rome, great system, but you're setting up all sorts of rules and stuff to get things in it. Or word processors, you know, you get a blank sheet of paper, you have to know what you're putting on that blank sheet of paper. You got to pre-plan it, or spreadsheets, or whatever. Uh, or, you know, uh, Asana is like, you know, or in Trello, or our systems, uh, you know, based upon uh, uh, pre-planning, uh, designed to create pre-planning, in fact. Uh, so you, between those systems, and then you've got the instant communication systems, which the brain loves. It's like candy eating, uh, you know, information flow. Uh, and that's everything from social network stuff to messaging stuff as used in productivity systems. And right now, you know, Slack, Teams, uh, you know, all Rocket Chat, all of those different pro uh, messaging-based productivity systems are, are actually becoming the basis of communication and, quote, planning within uh, 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 corporations. And they also pr produce a form of collaboration that does not require a lot of pre-planning. You know, the traditional uh, uh, collaboration apps put you in one framework. This is sort of everything, and then you have to work within that pre-planned framework. They, these new messaging apps are, here's what's in front of you right now. Respond to it right now. And it is more effective, as Adam Grant's organizational psychology study would say, would predict. It's more effective at being productive and creative. It's, you know, but there is a third alternative, which is one where you're, cre you're aware of what's going to go into it, and then at the last minute, within that system, you can create the final organization, but you're aware of it. There are no existing productivity apps that work in that space. And that's the space that PopDoc is designed to hit. So when you bring in any information and create a tile, you put it inside the proper collection, when you, and you can drag and drop it into whatever order you want, and it's got hierarchy and outlining and you know, all, this, all the stuff and commenting, and, you know, all the stuff you'd expect. Uh, but when you drop it in, you are automatically made aware of 
the neighboring tiles, the neighboring cards, the neighboring content that you're going to be working with. And then you just go on. Um, and, and so you're always being aware that you're creating this set of information here, this set of information here, and you're being aware of all the different parts of those sets. So that is the way for maximum productivity according to this organizational psychology study. So for that, um, I, I agree with you. I mean, I've experienced the first two. I have never experienced the third. Um, but for the study, how were they able to determine that there was a third category? Like what was the, um, what was the system they used? You know, if, if your tool didn't exist, how were they able to, what are the steps to do it without a tool like you're describing? Because what they did is they asked people how they prepared to do work or did work. You know, what, what do you actually do? Interviewed them. You know, they're the psychologists. I love interviewing people. So they just interviewed them to see. And this is what the most productive people were doing, even if there, there wasn't specific tools designed to let them do that. Uh, and uh, quite frankly, it's been quite a while since I read that part, so I've got to remember how they got there. I've latched on to the result more than how they got there, but I know they were interviewing people uh, 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 in order to determine their work habits, and then they interviewed their boss to say, okay, how effective are these people? That's an interesting way to look at it. I. Uh... I, you know, I never heard about that study, but kind of thinking back to how I work, a lot of times it's like, I'll have like pieces of it kind of pop into my brain if it's, if it's something that I'm working on. And then, and then once I kind of just hit like a certain critical mass, then it just all, the, the floodgates open and I'll, um, I mean, even like recently, Peter, with the, I wrote a document about kind of how we, how we would sort of systematize pieces of the podcast that we want to run and, and sort of creating that doc, that was all done within like an hour or so, but the pieces had been kind of like coming in and, um, and were in my mind and I was like taking little notes here and there, uh, but eventually it all just kind of coalesced and then I just, that's, that's when I like got it all done. Exactly, and that process of coalescing is sort of internal curation, but what's really important about that process is what is missing in uh, most productivity uh, work, other than say mind maps or something, which is really hard to work with, uh, is context. When you're putting things in a collection, you know the context you're putting in. When you've got a stream, you may know which channel that stream's coming through, but you have to establish context each time. And so the context is what tells you what to associate this with that and create association sets. And then, of course, then you can manually create a, a, a context before you write a, uh, you know, Word document or, you know, program the tool or the, the, the rules inside of Rome or whatever. Uh, and, but context and generating context allows you to say these things share the same context Therefore, they should be associated. Your brain is great about organizing uh, things 
that are associated and doing it subconsciously. Your brain, that's what we're designed to do. We're designed not to think, but to create uh, 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 instant rough associations so that we can make quick judgments. This animal is dangerous. This animal is going to eat, is going to eat us. This animal is actually uh, food for us. <laughs> quick, quick judgments without looking sure. at things. Our brain is set up to do all of that. And this programs your brain by creating each collection is a context. And so, and then you're looking at all the different things in there, but you're not forcing it. And you're just looking at it and your brain over time will automatically create the associations. Then when you want to do work with it, we do a clever trick. Instead of making it uh, words and uh, a, a normal linear, we make it tactile because that's the brain is set up to make this associations come out as you are performing action. You know, I, yeah, I'm deciding whether to run or not. And so, therefore, everything, each piece of information is displayed, uh, you know, in both linear and indented form, but then you just drag and drop it to where you want. You know, you don't have to program, you just drag it and drop it to create the organization you want. And so that tends to bring out the, uh, the subconscious associations that you've done in your brain more than any other way. So if I'm getting this correctly, um, you have different data streams, you have all your different processes, you have your documents and stuff. You kind of organize them in a way that takes them away from being individual things and then can all mix together. Um, and then when you're ready to act, you just start acting and combining things. Um, because you're kind of like back of the mind, pre-processed stuff has already taken place. Yeah, I, actually, I've never used that in a pitch, but that's, I'm going to steal it. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's the pre-processing. We are setting up a pre-processing layer for dealing with information. Gosh, that's good. If, if you see that on the website at some point, you know, you know thank you. <laughs> no problem. I'm glad we're both getting value from this conversation. <laughs> Love it. I uh, I really love the, the the framework with which you're thinking about the problem and, and kind of the, the research to kind of back it up in the psychology aspect. I think one of the challenges with software, at least for me personally, when developing it is, is you, know, you have these insights and uh, I guess ideas for solving a problem, uh, but then it needs to translate into some kind of interface, some kind of architecture and some, some way for the user to interact with the machine, the computer, whatever it is, the smartphone. What's your process for the actual software development? Are you guys using Agile? How's the, how's the, how are you guys iterating on the design? Okay, yeah, so, so the, the, the interface is basically uh, several different flavors of Angular. We've, we've, we've got to, uh, uh, reduced it down to one flavor of Angular. It took us so long to get it working that we've got multiple flavors of Angular. And of course, then it's, you know, your, 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 your typical node, 
uh, JS, uh, uh, Mongol uh, backend. Uh, Scott's brilliant at designing backends. I mean, he's really brilliant at designing backends uh, for custom databases and all that. Uh, and we, of course, are going to be using AI in the future to suggest, you know, associations and help with that. Uh, I had a, a AI startup, uh, a, a categorization startup a while back, and Scott had three or four uh, categorization companies uh, for enterprise. So, you know, we know that space, but we're starting off manually. And then as we see how people use the system, we'll know better how to assist them in using the system. Uh, but people are going crazy. And then we are going to offer the capability of you can use our default uh, 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 micro website publication uh, template. Or there are methods we can create for you a custom template. And oh yes, our entire system runs off of an API. So yeah, we just use an API to connect between the front end and the back end. The API actually is open. Other people can use it. We're not trying to own anybody's data. We're not trying to. But if you have a company that wants to have it as closed, you know, we can close it up. Uh, uh, you can actually host the whole thing on your server. Uh, and you can have a micro website that looks like any other page on your corporate website or whatever. And so we, and then we are going to try to create a economy of plugins so that Anybody will be able to offer for money, their money, not my money. <laughs> well, I'm going to take a commission, but a plugin to perform a specific function, whether it's association, whether it's formatting, whether it's a custom template, whatever. We want to create an economy on top of this free website creation system. Right now, we've got people ranging from, as I say, uh, you know, a, a, a medical products company. we got you know, associations, garden clubs. We've got religious organizations. They're all going, oh, my gosh, this is so much simpler than you know, creating email blasts. We just send out. Drag, 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 drag. Here's all the information we want people to have. And then send them the URL and they can access it. Uh, by the way, it's, of course, it's SEO optimized and all that sort of thing. Um, and uh, people are going crazy over that. What we want to do is bring in other people and let other people make money off of this. We want to turn this into an ecosystem, not a closed walled garden. Obviously, our philosophy is we're trying to give you a remote look at everything that's there. Therefore, we're trying to break down walled gardens. So it'd be absurd for us to be a walled garden. 
Therefore, you can help people with formatting. Uh, and, you know, it's pretty easy, actually, <laughs> to design the templates and all that. Sell the templates. You can help people with tools that plug in. We can run inside a card any program we want to run inside that card. Can I repeat that? Inside a card, we can run any program we want inside that card. That means if you have a specific tool that you think would be great, boom, sell it, and people can you know, run it inside the card and make it part of their private and public collections and do whatever it is it's designed to do. We want to make this so that the community is raised up because we are trying to get around this old view because of what Brenners Lee had to do, had to do, because there wasn't enough computing power uh, to make uh, all uh, internet connections uh, bi-directional. We want to make everything bi-directional live and, you know, move into that world. And we're moving into that world. You know, hey, the conversation right we're having right now, this is bi-directional uh, synchronous communication. So why haven't our productivity tools completely moved into that space? It's great. Love the, uh, it's just a very unexpected uh, thing to learn about today. Um, uh, yeah. By the way, can you send me a, a link to the uh, to the uh, to the uh, 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 recording of this? Of course. Uh, yeah, we'll have to edit out the name in the middle, but uh, we'll send you a link so you all connect up. It's actually oh, kind of funny because a, uh, you mean the name of our company? No, no. You mentioned an accountant or economist that you wanted to. Um, oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So we'll, that we'll, be a big hassle. No, no. It'll be fine. Um, but yeah, well, actually... people are going to have trouble finding them anyhow. I imagine you could leave it in. Uh, uh, but it's actually okay. kind of funny because the way that you're describing your system, right, is spontaneous. All the pieces were there. It just needs to actually take place. Is right. very much in the same breath of how you joined this podcast, right? Uh, exactly. Clubhouse existed. We were here. We have a podcast. You joined. And then we had this wonderful conversation because all the pieces were ready to go. Exactly. And this is the future of not just our thing. We think that we're going through a major uh, shift. Everyone says paradigm shift whenever they want to sell anything, whether it's a new chewing gum or a software or whatever. But I really think that we are eventually, you want the long-term view. Here's the long-term view. Everybody says we're going to move into a metaverse, right? You know, the interactive future, like in Ready Player One or, or, or whatever, uh, where, you know, you've got augmented reality going on, you've got virtual reality, information is being presented, you know, and everything is all there at once. This is where this will end up in a few years when things get, you know, the hardware gets further and further and further along. But then how do we bring all of the stuff that was in the old world into the new world? And how do we create the maps for moving between all of that? Well, that's what we're setting up. 
And so that as this system works, it will help people move productively into the metaverse. Uh, you, you guys know the term metaverse, right? Yes? First time hearing it. Okay. The metaverse if you, if you, is, is a, like a gaming environment, but you live in it, where all the information is presented. It can be each virtual reality, in which case it's a single world, or it can be a augmented reality where you know what you, what's going on around you is uh, super. Um, it has information superimposed. Sergey, you saw Ready Player One, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, it's basically a future like that, where you have your virtual yeah. world and you have a a regular world, um, but there overlaps. By the way, read the book. That, that movie massacred what really happened. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's too, I was a big fan of the book, but it's actually kind of interesting, right? Because uh, Steven Spielberg directed it. The guy who wrote the book was a big Steven Spielberg fan. So it was like this crazy feedback loop that took, you know, 20 or 30 years um, to take place. But, right, Steven Spielberg put stuff out in the world that then this guy consumed and he was inspired by. So he wrote a book and then, Steven Spielberg read that book and then, you know, put more content out in the world that is um, like what he had done previously. I thought that was quite interesting. So Zuckerberg, I don't have the quote in front of me. It's one of my unpublished blog posts. Uh, uh, so I don't have the quote in front of me. So this is sort of, not sort of, it is totally an approximation. But Zuckerberg said, hey, listen, we are going to create new pathways for carrying information to go way beyond the World Wide Web. Eventually, we're going to end up in the metaverse. We in Facebook are making uh, investment in things like Oculus, not because of what they do now, because the future will be controlled by whoever controls these channels of communication, these pathways between islands of information. And he's investing billions in it. And quite frankly, all of the major companies are. I mean, Epic Games, you know, the people who uh, are uh, uh, um, suing Apple now. Uh, the uh, CEO, Ted, gosh, sweet. I don't know. I'm dyslexic. I have trouble remembering names. Uh, 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 has said explicitly that their intent is to move into and create the metaverse and just use their gaming tools to go there. Roblox, that you know, the stock that went public in a uh, special purpose acquisition company recently and has taken off, is a metaverse company. People recognize the future is the metaverse, but people haven't dealt with how do you transition from today's existing world and the tools that we need to be productive into another world that is actually closer to being the gaming world, but then you have to figure out how to do work in there. In that sort of world, it is closer to moving around in uh, a, 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 a virtual reality and normal reality. 
You're, you're moving through a reality. Your mind's doing these associations. Your mind's seeing things and then later creating a picture. Oh, wait a minute. That's exactly what our system does. Wasn't it pretty interesting, I think, throughout computers? Um, video games are always on the cutting edge, you know? They're always the next step. Um, and then, video games and porn. and porn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're the pioneers. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so this is designed to lead into that step by step by step. I don't know if I should have been disclosing all this, but you get me talking. And uh, this, I think it's clear that right now when you do any work, you have to get around the way the World Wide Web is set up by creating some sort of you know, local connection to a remote server, live, two-way, blah, 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 blah. Why don't we have live connections to information everywhere? And why don't we pull that all together into new pathways and new, uh, new collections and curate the web? You know, the way search engines curate the web is designed to sell you advertising. It's not designed to make you do work or help you be creative or even to work with the way your brain works. It's designed to say, to sell advertising. We need another way of organizing the web that works with your brain the way your brain works in ways that are proven to increase productivity. And oh yes, a lot of people who use our system use it for civilian uses. Civilian, sound like a military. Uh, 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 but you know, just for normal communication because a lot of times people want to share collections of things and not just individual messages. If you've got, you know, all your holiday stuff and you've got all your brochures and your pictures and your this and your that, you can do a website or just drag it in here, send the URL out, and there's that. You want to show everything that your son has been doing in school recently and brag on him. Boom, boom, boom. You drag it in. You put it in the right order. You create a URL and then everyone in your family can go there, comment on it. Uh, and if they want to, this is a two-way street. Everything's two-way. All the published microsites, then if you are a registered user, and you don't have to be a registered user to use those, but if you are a registered user, you can bring those collections or the individual cards in those collections into your permanent library and reuse it in any way you want. And so you seeding the system there. So grandma can go, oh, this is wonderful. I like this picture, this picture, this picture. Boom, 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 boom. And there it is inside her collection of John, little Johnny, my grandson's pictures. It, it, it's, that aspect is interesting. It reminds me of the way I use Google Drive. You know, invariably there'll be a PDF or, you know, maybe like some audio or some sort of document, right? 
that I found shared online and it'll be in a Google Drive and I just click, you know, make a copy and then I get a personal copy of it on my drive um, to reference later or, you know, it, it, it's not streamlined yet, but how great, like you're saying, would it be to then pull that PDF into something I'm actually working on as opposed to maybe have to copy it or something else like that. Exactly. The whole, the whole paradigm of copy and import just breaks your thought process completely. It's horrible. It's, it's broken. It's totally broken. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I, I just, you know, Scott and I designed this because we said, hey, listen, we wanted to design what we wanted. We took years to do it. And we paid for it ourselves without raising seed capital or anything and paid a lot uh, because we wanted to come up with something that solved the problems that we felt were inhibiting our ability to use this information that's out there. And it clearly wasn't a note-taking app or that would have succeeded by now. It clearly wasn't any of the standard paradigms that are out there. So what was the problem? And Scott approached it from one viewpoint. I approached it from the other viewpoint. And we butt heads periodically and then pick ourselves up, wipe the blood off, and boom, there's Pop Doc. So, um, how long have you been working on this uh, company or product or concept? I don't know what the official line is, so I'm reluctant to say. But, you know, at what point did our extensive discussions? become the actual product or not going back to uh, your psychology analysis at what point did you stop you know prepping and then actually become very productive right ah that's a couple years back yeah that was a couple years back and we ran into a problem with uh, with uh, some issues with and having to replace the programming team you know, just because they had personal health issues and this and that. And it, it, it's all private stuff, but that, it took us longer than we should have, but that was a couple of years ago. And uh, people we show it to, you know, at the moment where you magically go, you know, you, some people go crazy when you show, oh, this can run a program. And you show a computer program running inside a tile. Programmers go crazy on that. Uh, 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 when you, you know, uh, normal people go crazy when you say, okay, you've got all this stuff here. Click, here's your website, complete with multi-page menu because, you know, in certain cases, you've got more than one collection you want to display on, that, uh, on the uh, micro website. Boom, it automatically generates a, a, a menu. People go, crazy with that. Uh, uh, people who are professional information workers just love the live view and the drag and drop reorganization and the ability to deal, work with more than one collection at one time. And, uh, and we've got, oh, for example, right now in the system, we've got RSS feeds. You want to have your local RSS feed, it comes in and automatically puts everything into a tile a card, whatever you want to call it, and then each element that was on that RSS feed, and then you just drag that into any collection or ignore it and wait for the next RSS feed to come in. So now you've automatically got a feed of 
all the information you want coming in formatted with a live view to where it was back, and then you just, with one little drag, put it into the proper place in your library. That's revolutionary. People haven't been able to conquer RSS feeds or feeds of information like that before. But that's that's up and working today. Awesome. Yeah. How do we uh, experiment with it? Or is there a way we can sign up for the alpha or beta or whatever? Oh, yeah. Business? You guys are invited, and I have no idea who Caitlin is. But, you know, Caitlin has been very patient, uh, whoever that is. Uh, 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 that's yeah. my. Uh, that's just my wife's phone. That's the one doing the recording. So it's no actual oh, okay. extra okay, person. So it's just okay. Yeah, but the, once yeah, the okay. uh, you guys, you guys are invited. Uh, when we're not recording, I'll give you uh, a, a general code, and then we're going to be. Uh, 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 but we don't have onboarding set up right at the moment. That's why we generally onboard people. But you guys will have, will give you complete access to the system uh, uh, and uh, contact me or contact Scott, contact me. Uh, when we're not recording, I'll give you how to contact me. All right. Well, this seems actually like a pretty good stopping point. I think we've been going for an hour and a half at this point. So our, our brief yeah, phone call my, kept my, going. The, so. the reason what my wife was creating all this noise was I promised to go out for a walk with her. And she was trying to say, here I am all dressed up in my walking clothes. Why aren't you walking with me? So, so thank you. All right. Well, Sergey, you want to do a little sign off? And... Oh, yeah. Thank yes. you. Well, this is great uh, impromptu podcast. But uh, thanks, for, thanks for staying. Thanks for being so patient and, and laying out you know, your, your the opportunities in Portugal, your vision for the future, the, the, the work you and Scott are doing. Really appreciate the time. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Phil. Okay, so are we not recording?